Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull. The phone lines, they are open. 8150 93.9, 30, 9394 The uh, UPS shop sex line. I am seeing sort of all the official announcement now the Raiders have made. Antonio Pierce, uh, their permanent head coach. Now, so the, the positions that remain open are the Chargers. Chargers, Falcons, Panthers. Panthers. There's one more, right? Um, Commanders. Yeah, Washington. Um, let's. I wrote this down actually. Uh, Panthers, Chargers, Falcons, Commanders, Titans, and Seahawks. Titans and Seahawks. Yeah, we just talked about Pete Carroll earlier. Yeah, and the Titans is kind of just forgot about because other than Vrabel being <laughs> open, Titans I just kind of forgot about. Right. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Right. <laughs> they're they're close to us, but yeah, outside like Jared Stillman, no one cares. That's right. All right, I wanted to play this uh, for everyone uh, very quickly, and this was uh, Rick Bozich and Eric Crawford having a discussion about the Kenny Payne sound after the North Carolina game in which he gave himself free and full immunity uh, from his 4-28 and record the first year, uh, and Rick said, surprisingly, he agrees. You have to keep it in context what he said. CL... Uh, who's a friend of ours, framed the question in terms of comparison to Hubert Davis. It's not really a very no. uh, reasonable comparison. Hubert Brown was uh, Hubert Davis was on the staff at North Carolina before he took over with Roy Williams. He took over a team that had Caleb Love, a McDonald's All-American, R.J. Davis, a four- or five-star recruit who's now probably the best player yeah. in the ACC, Armando Baycott. Kenny Payne didn't have guys like that. He had a lot of guys who he eventually ran off and started over. So I'm probably in the minority. I'm sure I am. But I agree with him. This really is year one for him. Last year, he worked with a lot of guys that that weren't really going to be part of his plan and aren't there anymore. I hate that answer. The, the last line is the one that just really – all of it bothers me. But the last line really bothers me. Let me, clear, let me clarify real quick. And I said this uh, when I tweeted about it earlier. I think that any comparisons between Hubert Davis and Kenny Payne are don't serve the conversation because they they inherited much different situations and their level of success is completely different. But Hubert Davis's situation wasn't anything like Kenny Payne's. And I don't think that they're at outside the fact that they were first year head coaches that were alumni of their universities, 
there weren't a lot of similarities. Hubert Davis was on staff. I agree with him on that point. That's it. That's it. It's not year zero. It's not last year wasn't year zero. So and the, the but the part of it real quick the, the that last line is the one that bothers me the most. And I hammered that point in the first offseason. Now a lot of people were like, well, they can't possibly do anything else in recruiting because of the the cloud. Like that might be true for the freshmen. It might be true for the most elite transfer pros- prospects. And we know that he went after a couple of the biggest names in the in the transfer portal that year. But as I've said ad nauseum, there are 2,500 prospects in that transfer portal. Several that we knew were interested in coming here. And I don't know why, but he decided to keep what he had and bring in freshmen without really hitting that transfer portal except for Brandon Hunley Hatfield, which was kind of a gimme, kind of a kind of a layup. That's fine. It was a good, it was a good get. Not trying to, to down you know to downgrade that, but just because guys aren't 20 and 10 dudes doesn't mean they're not takes, especially when your roster is in that much disarray. If all these guys aren't going to be a part of your plan, like this is this revisionist history where now they're saying, well, we all knew they weren't going to be a part of the plan going forward. No, we didn't. That is not how you framed it. We didn't know that. We didn't know that you were looking at your roster going, I don't need these guys. I don't want these kids, but I have to have them. If If they weren't a part of your plans, then send them packing. And get some kids that can help you win games that can be a part of your plan. It's your plan. It's your team. You don't have to keep any of these guys. And if you had made it clear that they weren't up to snuff for you or you didn't like their attitude, I'm sure they would have put themselves in the transfer portal. Nobody wants to play on a team where they're not wanted or that they're not jiving with the head coach. But that's that first offseason was just, they just treated it like it was... It was a throwaway. He didn't immediately come here and, and hit the ground running on the recruiting. We know that. He wasted time. He wasted time putting together his, his staff. He didn't hire a strength and conditioning coach till the summer. You might think that these things aren't important, but they all send a message to me. And he didn't go out and hit the ground, like hit the pavement and try to build a class in the transfer portal of guys like Sean East, Who's at Missouri right now? He he had a decent year last year. He has had a great year this year. He's blown up. Uh, Sean McNeil that ended up going to Ohio State last year. Sean East is from Louisville. Sean McNeil was from Union, Kentucky. He was very familiar with U of L, and he wanted to come back by a lot of accounts. He wanted to come back to the state of Kentucky. He ended up going to Ohio State, and averaging about ten points a game, shooting about thirty-seven percent from the three-point line. Is that something that we could have used last year? You know, there was just there was so much opportunity to turn over that roster at least a little bit. Three or four guys. We left a couple of scholarships open. Like there was just there was no reason that you couldn't have done more roster construction. And he either didn't want to or didn't know how to properly do it with the transfer portal or wasn't willing to do that. And we know that he didn't embrace the transfer portal right away. Um but that's not our fault. Right. That's not just because you decided you were going to write it off because you were "quote unquote" forced to. To if 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 in all due respect to Rick, I'm not trying to pick on him, but he has chosen to take this line of thinking, and we're going to pick it apart. In his words, like he was working with a bunch of kids that weren't going to be a part of his future plans. That 
didn't have to happen. It just didn't. And I reject that out of hand. Like, that's your fault. If, you, if, that's, if that was the roster you chose. Because you had plenty of time to turn it over if you wanted to. That's what Jerome Tang did. Not all the kids he brought in were, were like top 25, top right. 30 kids right. in the transfer portal. They were down further, but he identified kids that would work well in his system. Maybe the problem is he doesn't have a system, but he, was, he identified a bunch of kids that were going to be uh, players he could work with, brought them in, and constructed an Elite Eight team. I don't, I, you don't have to go zero to Tang, but that's just a really good representation of what you can do rebuilding the roster using the transfer portal and not getting any real stars. At least not guys that were considered stars before you brought them in. It's just, it's a defeatist attitude and I hate it. It's the, it just fits in with the whole, there's nothing I could have done different or nothing I would have done different that he said. Like the implication that I just... You had to take Fabio Basile. Yeah, there's nothing we could have done, you know? Yeah, there's no way Sidney Curry could have been in shape at all last year. The whole thing was was going to be ball hogging all year. Like, and that probably didn't have anything to do with yeah. not having a strength and conditioning coach until July. Or yeah, whatever. No, like that's. I'm just saying it all fits together to form a picture, and none of that was acceptable. You know, just to say, well, none of these kids were going to be a part of the plan. This was always the plan that that these kids we would clear them out after the first year. This first year's a throwaway. That's just not how it was framed. Yeah, he said that we're going to struggle and we're going to need you. But that's not the same as not really putting a 100% effort into putting the best team on the court that you can. It was defeatist from the beginning, and now it's insulting, quite frankly. So he starts the answer by saying, you have to keep in mind the context and the way CL framed the question. And then he proceeded to go through and answer a bunch of things the way Kenny did, which did not answer CL's question either. CL's question was, you and Hubert are similar, and then CL defined what he meant by that. Yeah. You are both former alums who'd never been, or alums, and who had never been head coaches before. And that that was, he laid the foundation for what he was comparing between sure. the two of them. And he said, how long do you think it should take to show progress towards what you think the program ought to be like? That was CL's question. There was never any claim by anyone that they inherited equal situations. No. And that somehow he was being asked about why are his results like this and yours are like this. Also, nobody, nobody expected them to have equal results through their first year or what have you. And yeah, Hubert, they stumbled out of the gate his first year and they finished extremely well. the comparisons were never about the situations that they inherited. So for Rick to just sort of rattle off, hey, he had this and Kenny had this, no one's asking why Kenny didn't make the Final Four in his first year. That's idiotic. No one said that. CL didn't right. say that. But Kenny did. Yeah, Kenny was the one who kind of started the comparisons. You know, And, that's- and the question was never about these situations that they inherited at all it was you're similar in that you'd never been head coaches before and your former alums and then how long do you think it should take and he still never answered that question but he did say hey this i think this is year one now but the other thing that rick said is he had these guys on his roster that he ran off 
But it's like he left off this giant gap in which he played a whole season with them. Yeah. And then ran them off. We know about new coaches coming in and running guys off and filling it with other people. And if you ask me, like, if, if I had to to guess or try to explain what happened, I'd be willing to bet you this. He didn't want any of those guys. But he couldn't get anybody else. He couldn't. He, I think he was shocked by how little support he had recruiting-wise by people outside. He could. Though he well, just couldn't get him the I'm, way that he was, saying. he knew how to he do could, it. Yeah. He didn't. He wasn't successful, is what I mean. Not that he wasn't yeah. allowed. He couldn't get other guys. Was stuck with these these guys, but then just basically decided they're not going to listen. I'm I'm just going to fold my arms and and we're going to grit through this year. I hear what you're saying, but what I meant was he could have gotten other guys. He just didn't know. He he wasn't. Willing to go deeper in the transfer portal. Well, yeah, but, right. that's what I'm. That's like, what I'm saying. Though, like, yeah. he thought he was just going to splash in and throw his yeah. weight around and re- be able to replace the guys on the roster right away. And I, I think it has been a persistent shock to him how little help he's getting from outside, not from yeah. U of L. Yeah, 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 from outside, uh, and that it was actually go- he's going to have to be a whole lot more resourceful than he realized. And then he realized it's too late. I'm stuck with these guys. But then he did what. You don't get to say he ran guys off who won't be a part of the program after coaching them to a historically horrific season. Yeah, like if that was all, but he made it sound like that was always the plan. He was gonna run them off yeah, after the year. That's right. It's like he's trying to jam two off seasons together into one. It's like all right, well then that's you should have ran them off before the year, and then back. Like I realized that it wasn't exactly what you wanted. Like five stars falling at your feet, and uh, you know Malachi Smith or whoever transferring in we didn't get the big i get it that's fine but there were so many other people in the in the transfer portal if you could if you knew you couldn't do it with these guys you sure as hell better have tried with somebody else well remember that one time where you came out i was like man there was so much negative recruiting that i had to overcome and it's like you should be able to combat everything like the cloud and everything it's like we don't think there's gonna be a postings ban just say that but he clearly believed there was gonna be a postings ban last year or he knew they were going to make the posting given the roster he constructed. But that was also another sign of many red flags where he's just complaining about the negative recruiting that other coaches are using against Louisville. Well, that's it. It's always somebody else. That's right. That's the, that's the bottom line is there's a lack of accountability. None of the failures are on him. And that's what bothers me the most about these conversations. It's like, man, I like Kenny. He seems like a good guy. I don't think I like him anymore. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, as a person, he seems like an affable person. A I lot of people in his orbit, a lot. in his orbit, everybody seems to like him. He has a, a sterling I reputation. I think it would be great to be around him. He doesn't expect you to do anything. Because he doesn't expect to be expected to do anything either. But as a person in leadership... As a person whom things are expected of, and who has to take ownership, has to take ownership of these things, he's not built for that. And that's clear to me. And he made sure we knew it this summer when he completely washed his hands of that first season. And he he continues to do it. And it's insulting to people that spend a lot of money on these tickets and care a lot about this program. And you know what? They're going to be around a lot longer after he's gone. He is a caretaker of this program. He is a shepherd. And right now, the flock is lost. 8150-939. That's uh, the number if you'd like to get in here. 
3831 for the UPS Jobs text line. Clyde, welcome into the drive, buddy. What's up? Yeah, uh, okay, I'm on the air. Y- yes. Uh, yeah, I want to give you guys a heads up about a local talent that can play at Louisville easily. His name is Max Green at Odom County. He's a six foot seven point guard like Jeff Shepard, but he shoots better than Jeff Shepard. Not saying he's, I mean, Jeff Shepard does other things good too, but Max can put the ball in the basket. He's leading the state of Kentucky in scoring 31 points a game. He's six seven. He's a white kid. He can flat out play. Now, you look at the uh, teams in the past when Kentucky and Louisville had good teams. They were always rooted and grounded with local talent. If this kid can't play for Louisville, he can't play for anybody. And the Louisville uh, nation needs to give him a hard look out there. He would love to play for Louisville. Appreciate uh, the call there, Clyde. Yeah, look, I don't know anything about that guy. I do. Uh, and, I, and that's fine. Yeah, I'm from uh, out there. I Look, I love the local guys. I love knowing that it means more to them and all that sort of thing. I, I am just not familiar enough to say. He's really good. You know, one way uh, or I don't know other. where he's going to fit in as far as, like, recruiting, like what level he's going to end sure. up at, but he can ball at that level. Not sure about the relevance of the fact that he's a white kid, but whatever. <laughs> Maybe he was just pointing out the similarities with Reed Shepard. I don't know. But yeah, no, Mac. He's he's a he's a hell of a player. I've got a lot of friends still out in Oldham. I went to South. Uh, a lot of friends are still out in Oldham County, and then hang around that program. And a kick and ball. He's the truth. But South did beat them last week in overtime. It's a shame that Louisville's recruiting class for next year is all full, filled up though. Yeah, not a lot of spots guy. there. <laughs> I think Blankenbaker tweeted out that we're the only Power Five school that doesn't have a signee. Completely normal, as he put it. Probably not a bad thing. Carter Knox did visit that one time, though. That's cool, man. That's cool. It's a start. We do have a commitment, I think. He might still be committed. (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't know, man. Texture asks, do you think Kenny told Josh he was just going to take the first year off? Right, right. He certainly didn't tell any of us. Well, he certainly didn't take a reduced paycheck. You know, like it, it. If you told us, there probably been less people at the games. There's maybe only one explanation that could work. Is like, hey, I got a three year plan. Just bear with me. But no one thought it was gonna be four and twenty eight bad. Like it's like, okay, first year five hundred, second year's a tournament, third year we plan on maybe making a run for the final four potentially. And maybe he, that was his money, like a three year plan executed. But like just to take the year off and just be like, yeah, who cares if we win four games or not? Like that's just asinine. I I think the the best response i've seen to any of this uh our friend troy uh responded to this i think earlier today and said the biggest issue he had with what kenny said is you can't say you can hold last year against me and 4 and 28 against me this is year one and then also use it as the foil for all of your progress this year right like you haven't progressed at all this if this is year one they suck right like if this is year one you got blown out by depaul yeah, who's down to 306th in the net. The lowest power six rated team in the net. Yeah. Was 
dominated by them. Last night, everyone was uh, shouting uh, alarm that Gonzaga might lose to Pepperdine like it would have been catastrophic. Yeah. <laughs> like, this Utah State had, I saw this uh, tweeted earlier, but Kyle had tweeted, like their coach, they're in the top 25. They returned zero points from last year. Zero. They're in the top 25, and they've played a harder schedule so far than Louisville has. Doesn't really say much. Louisville's schedule was super easy. And Utah State's played a harder <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, but dude, yeah. it's credit to Utah State under a first-year coach right. that they're doing this stuff. Like It's ridiculous that... I've never heard another coach try to basically say my first year doesn't count. Yeah, like unless... Not one. Unless you were like far and away better, like you were you know, seeing 15 wins or whatever, it's like you see last year, like it was different and like you can maybe... It's not an acceptable answer to say it didn't count. But it would make more sense if you had like 15 wins on your belt this year. You don't. Yeah, the uh, the the embedded assumption in sort of saying like, "Hey, that first year is not me," is that this one is way better, it, right? <laughs> and it's not. It's well, it's, it's marginally better in some places. You should only start judging me now. It's like, all right, well, you still you're it's not good. Six and eleven. But what I'm hearing from you is that you're getting on the Danny Sprinkle train that our caller <laughs> called in, <laughs> who is for people at home the Utah State coach. Which I'm sure you all totally knew. <laughs> Cody, welcome to the job, buddy. What's up? I've been telling you guys, hashtag tinkle there for sprinkle. <laughs> There's our guy. <laughs> tinkle for sprinkle. I told you guys, man. I knew you guys would come back around. Hey, I never thought you on it. I'm, I'm open to all suggestions, man. I got to say, uh, Cody, I got to tell you, like, bring Tinkle home doesn't have near the... Uh, sprinkle. The, or Sprinkle or Tinkle, whatever. Bring Sprinkle home does, just doesn't have the same... Uh, sprinkle. We got a forecast home. for Sprinkles in Louisville. <laughs> Come on. Well, Mark, I just don't think... Mark, I don't think you're seeing the big picture here, man. Um, <laughs> it's... I'm, I'm, I, think, I, think, I think that name's perfect. That, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just... I love that name. Um... So I just got a I got a question. Um, so kind of the way Kenny talks about us, like we've been SMU in the '90s. Um, I'm just thinking, like, do a lot of the former players just think after the '86 championship uh, that we've just been dog water since then? Because I, I get the vibe where it's like, like especially uh, J- some of Jerry Eves' comments, it's like, well, Louisville's been down for. For 20 years, I mean, like, how, how do you think the guys in the 80s have been looking at Louisville uh, for the last like 25 years? Because it, it, they, it just doesn't seem like they've been on board. Well, they definitely weren't on board with Rick, but uh, yeah, there's just a weird "woe is me" attitude with some of the alumni that I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's kind of spreading throughout the the basketball program. But uh, I know it's kind of a weird question, but. Um, yeah, just a lot of uh, bad attitude from that from that group. So I just want to get your comments on that. Thank you. I appreciate it, uh, Cody. I don't. Well, first of all, I don't think the former player or like the like the pre Patino player population of people. Wow, that was a mouthful. Uh, a lot of peace. I don't. I don't think it, it's right to really talk about them as like a monolith. A monolith, yeah. Yeah, because individually, there's a real spectrum. I think of opinions, but I, what I think Cody's picking up on is there has been uh, from primarily from Kenny himself, uh, a real uh, heavy, heavy dose of hyperbole about just how bad things were. Like, the fact that it was bad doesn't mean it was a wasteland. And so often it's talked about like as if it had gotten the death penalty and that he was putting the first new team back together. I know. And it, it was not like that. 
It wasn't broken. It wasn't great, for God's sake. It was not. And, and he, the expectations, I think, were appropriately low for him. And the worse he's done, the worse it was when he got here. Yeah, yeah. From him. Yeah, no, it's it's this adjustment of expectations and the lowering of the bar that that he he engages in, and there is a certain amount of from certain corners. The way he balances that equation is constantly adding into the how bad it yeah, was. Yeah, it was just so bad. Right. People don't understand like, the mess we never I inherited. Even ball? Like, yeah, on. right. No, um, we all acknowledge that it was a mess in Max last year. It was. Um, it was also the only losing season he had. You know, it wasn't like he was drilling the program into the ground and obviously we had ncaa stuff and everything but it, it's it wasn't hopeless and it shouldn't have looked like that but um there are certain voices in the alumni not everybody like that's the thing like you said it's not a monolith and sometimes the people that don't complain you know you have to complain the loudest or you have to be the loudest voice the squeaky wheel gets the grease you know so people think that they all all the former players from the 80s and maybe the 90s, they all think the same way and they don't, you know. I mean, we heard stories from the players-only meetings, the alumni-only meetings, you know, yeah. last couple of years. And not everybody, it, it wasn't just a bunch of people on the same page. Okay. Um, but I think part of that is is the rift we all know about during the Patino era. You know, he brought in some Kentucky guys on his bench when some – uh, Louisville alumni might have wanted those coveted spots on the bench. Uh, he didn't embrace. He didn't embrace the history of the program. You know, as much as people would have liked, not as much as I would have liked. Um, and then, but I think that, like when you talk about Jerry Eves, he talks about this program being in the depths of hell since 2009. Right. He starts it at the Karen Cipher incident. Right. That's what he's referring to. Right. And conveniently leaves out the fact that we went to two Final Fours. Uh, you know, three elite eights, four straight sweet sixteens, and won a national title. You know, he just talks about the scandals. And look, the cipher thing. I said at the time, I thought Patino should have been fired because I didn't want to deal with it as a university. I didn't think we should have to, and we would carry it around our neck. And that was a personal issue, but it was a personal issue. It became very public because of the, you know, blackmail basically, and then. We had, obviously, the, the multiple NCAA issues, but it doesn't erase what happened on the court, regardless of what you want it to. But they're using it as a convenient way to pretend like we've been like some sort of dumpster for the last 15 years, and we haven't been. We just haven't been, and it's also another way for them to kind of... It's sort of like Kenny Payne multiplying the mess every time he talks about it. It extends farther and farther back every time. Sure. <laughs> like, like the whole Patino era was a was an embarrassment somehow. It's just not true, right? It's a revisionist history, and no matter how bad it was at the end of Mac, it wasn't. But he made it worse. Yeah, it he has made it not worse. even recovered to the level that it was yes. then. We would have been fine with thirteen. We wouldn't have been fine. But thirteen wins last year would have been a hell of a lot better. And that's and the, saying something. And the way it looked, yeah, like there was. There's the eye test. I know we don't like to always talk about the eye, but it's the truth. You know, there's a way to lose. There's losing, and then there's losing. Talked about that a few weeks ago. Like that's that's the truth. That was just the depths last week. It was as bad as it or last year it was as bad as it could have been. It was so much worse than it ever should be here, regardless of the situation. 81-50-93-9. By the way, that team, Chris Mack's last uh, team, finished 
127 on Ken Palm. This yeah. year's team is 188. And they lost 12 out of their last 15 last year's games. Team was 290. Yeah. 12 out of the last 15 games, you know, with Pegues as the interim coach. They started off much better, obviously, but even after all of that, they were still 127. It's just not the same. It's it's not comparable. Even the pageant year, and I gave it was on staff, but he took over a month before the season started. He won 22 games. And he was one miracle shot away from tournament. the tournament. Yep. Yeah. Let's get uh, Paul in here next. Paul, welcome into the drive, buddy. What's up? Well, thanks, guys. Uh, two quick uh, point one quick point about Max Green and then about Kenny and, and the cards. But uh, Dave, you got it right. Max can play. He's a wizard with the ball, uh, and and he can shoot from anywhere. He's got quicks. He's very athletic. And if you remember Braden Hobbs when he played with Bellarmine, the All American yeah. Division Two Player of the Year, he reminds me a little of Braden, uh, except Braden it was just an otherworldly passer. Uh, Max. Can shoot from anywhere, has all the moves. Um, he's committed to Holy Cross. I broadcast a few of his games, been fortunate enough to see him in action. And Holy Cross is a little different level. Uh, I I do think he could play. He could he could be elite, uh, perhaps at at that level or a Bellarmine level. But um, if if Dave's a biscuit, I think Max is a little bit of a wafer. He's he's slight. <laughs> it's he's, he's slight, and that's uh, no no derision to him. He sure. is really exceptional. If you get a chance to see him, go see him. He he'll, he'll he he does incredible things every time he's on the court. So that's pretty cool. But as far as U of L, I go back to the early seventies. My brother, my oldest brother, was recruited to play football here in seventies. Came here in seventy four, and as a kid, you know, I watched Jim Price. I, I used to rebound for Alan Murphy and Junior Bridgman and Bond and Bunton and, and my favorite of the day, Wesley Cox, until Griff came. And then I wanted to be Griff. And I'm from Pennsylvania, so I was this fanatic L fan. And I just remember cringing as a, as a Steelers fan growing up in the 70s. We would all cringe. All the fans would cringe when Roy Jarella, the kicker, stepped on the field because he was just a crapshoot. He was awful. And I used to cringe when Jerry Eves possessed the ball because he couldn't dribble well, couldn't shoot a lick until, you know, every once in a while he hit one. Jerry rode the coattails of some incredibly great players, but he made two Final Fours. That's awesome. And he won a championship. I don't take much credence in what he has to say because when Kenny Payne played, for all his greatness, guys, and he was an All-American talent there were games and, and it's incredible that he scored as many points as he did that there were games you were like where's kenny what's go-? it would be so up and down one game incredible wish we could see that every game and mark you said it a little bit ago he's not expected and i know you had to back away from the mic because i know you were heated he's not expected to do anything and that's where it is when he was nike kenny and Cal Kenny, everyone gave him what he wanted. When he became Adidas Kenny here, he had to fight Bill Self. Yeah, new phone, and who all the other Adidas guys. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, new phone, yeah. who this? Yeah. Yeah, and it's exactly, and it's all, and, and that's, that's where he's struggling. 
and and the unidentifiable traits of this team this year and last year. You could go to a Trinity basketball game and say, oh, I see Mike Zabo defense. Oh, Ray Spalding knew how to play defense when he came in to L. So did David, uh, David Johnson. But you, you go to Mayo High School. Oh, I see how they're playing that offense. Oh, I see that system. Very identifiable. We need clarity. I, he, we're just not seeing it. He's, he's not – there's, there's just such a blasé attitude. It's like, guys, you can't throw a ball out and, and try to explain basketball this way and explain away your shortcomings. You hear Scotty Davenport post game, and I've worked this team, i worked these games for 10 years, and, and you just listen to them. These guys aren't making – my guys aren't making shots at the end of the game. That's my fault. That's coaching. I don't, I don't know how else to do it, but I don't know how else to, to explain it, but there's, it, it's just underwhelming to a point where, Mark, I know, I feel your pain. I feel both of you guys, I, Mark, especially your frustration about the last, about last year being year zero, uh, or, and this year being year one. I, incredible ineptitude and, and bad form all the way around, but, uh, keep fighting the good fight, guys, and as always, go cards. We'll get there, and we'll get back, and we'll be better for it. Trust that. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. That was a great call. And, and I love that he ended with that because I don't – I see these tweets sometimes or some occasionally text, but we see them where it's like Louisville basketball is dead. It is not. Because Kenny's not that good either. No, college football is dead. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Sorry. Time. Uh, but it's not. It's not dead, and Kenny can't kill it. Uh, he will be gone, uh, barring him being sort of born again here and like being some other coach. Uh, he'll be gone after this season, most likely, and they'll have to nail the next one. But there's too much of y'all. There's too much want to uh, that this that this would ever just sort of languish as if it was like, what? But didn't they used to be pretty good? Yeah, like that's not happening. That's not happening, and he won't be able to kill that. But he, I do wonder, I've spent more and more time lately just wondering about, like, he's going to be hated. Like, we're talking about a beloved guy that people seem to like, but the, to use a Florida State's a lawsuit phrase, the fiduciary responsi- uh, responsibility here. He is so active, actively submarining things like it's so awfully mismanaged and neglected it's negligence but it's the kind of negligence you get in trouble for uh when he's done when he's out of here and the next person comes in and it it turns out it's not all that hard to win things uh here like it hasn't ever really been before uh, he's he's gonna be reviled this is louisville basketball free of restrictions they have nobody signed for next year. And I don't want that. I don't want him to be reviled. But it's – I don't want – I. you don't ever want a national champion, you know, an alumni not to to feel welcome here in U of L at, at, at the university. But, man, do you think it's it hard not for, to see – it's hard not to see it going that way. Sorry. Do you think he comes back for reunions for, like, the 86 championship team anymore? I don't know. I don't know if he was going before, but, like, He's gonna get booed. Unfortunately. He was usually coaching for. I don't know. Yeah. During during the booed. season, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think it's about like a Jerry Krause situation where yeah. it's like, oh, oh God, dude. Thelma Krause. That was horrible. That was that broke my heart, by the way. Like her yes, face. I agree. It was awful. It was just, it was one of the worst. I don't care what anybody has to say. How, what kind of baggage you have about Jerry Krause, dude? The widow was sitting there listening to you boo her her dead husband. I think she was invited. To yeah. You, right? And you could see her face. Like she was just, it was just, you know, brutal. the saddest, uh, I had the thought because look, he's not a good person. I, it, it occurred to me, like, I bet Michael Jordan liked that. Mm, probably. Mike is up next here. Mike, welcome to Drive Buddy. What's up? Hey, guys. How are you all doing today? Good. Good. How are you? Good. I, I'm just calling in. I've been, to preface this, I've been a L fan. My first team at 12 years old was the 86 championship team. So I went through the Denny era, mm-hmm. went through the Rick era. And, you know, I think the big thing that people are missing is that, like, when I was growing up, even through the Rick era, we went into every single game thinking we could win the game. Yeah. didn't matter if we are playing North Carolina, Duke, mm-hmm. UCLA, whoever it was, Kentucky, we thought we could win the game. We're at the point now where um, we go into every game thinking we can't win the game. So I think that's a big difference in fandom at this point. And I think we have a lot of um, you know people calling the show that are actually uh, Kentucky fans masquerading as L fans. You know, wanting Kenny to continue on. But I think just as a fan goes, I want to get back to that point where I think we can win every game going into it, you know? I I think we all miss that feeling. Uh, and I, I it's certainly, uh, Mike, thanks for waiting as long as you did, buddy. Appreciate that. Yes, everyone uh, misses that feeling. Uh, and having uh, – it's, it's your coach is not just not a negative, but, like, is a – Positively, one of the reasons you think you're going to win in any game is because you have implicit faith in that guy. It's demonstrated, all that sort of thing. Uh, and then you contrast it with a man who sits at the podium and tells you, I can only win recruiting battles, not games, recruiting battles, when it's a surprise. Yeah. And then he hasn't actually won any recruiting battles this year. They have nobody that's that's committed he's openly sort of pining for other people's rosters he's done that multiple times mm-hmm. i mean i just I don't really know what anyone is supposed to be supporting at this point while also saying that he can't recruit he can't like have that. one of those right <laughs> yeah, like, well and kandra was so good yesterday in calling in and calling uh, attention to the fact that it's pretty obvious at this point he doesn't see this place nearly as highly as we do that okay so that's what I've been talking about, like, like last this is month, just some sort of decrepit thing that he's trying to fix. We don't look at it that way at all, man. That's look. That's what we had this conversation when he said similar things last month. Because this, it's always a replay, right? <laughs> it says the same things. It's been an exercise in him lowering the standard and adjusting expectations instead of rising to meet the challenge. That has been his entire tenure here, and his entire. The way yeah, he, he addresses just, it, I'll just turn off the dash light, not fix. Yeah, not fix the problem. Yeah, right. And and he does speak. He doesn't speak about Louisville the same way we do. He's always kind of telling us what we don't deserve, what we think we deserve. That's how I take it. That's how I take it. Just the entire package together, and I want somebody here that sees this for the job it is. And for the job it can be, and for the bed, like just this, we're proving ground of success. Football. Yes, that and, and and football doesn't have nearly the same profile that basketball does. 
But you wouldn't know it by Jeff Brom. Absolutely not, because he sees this program right. the way we do. He sees it with all of its potential, and we've never won a national title here in football. We've never been close. But he looks at this, and it's the apple of his eye. It was his goal his entire life. And I've always said, at least for the last year or so, I've been saying, I don't believe, like, I believe Kenny when he said he didn't really want, he had to be convinced to take the job. I don't know if this was his goal. I don't think he really, this wasn't his goal to be the head coach because he certainly didn't work towards that. His career doesn't look like he was building towards that. You know, this is a lot of responsibility. It's a job that you got to want, man. And I just don't, I, he does not see it the way we do. And you have to have somebody who values this job the way we do to have it. If he wanted a rebuilding job or like a job that would take years, the Paul job a few years ago when he was rumored to be a finalist for that, like that should have taken it. Should have taken it. Like you could, we, for one that vets us, we can see like, hey, he doesn't really have it going at DePaul, but you just put the cut, it is DePaul. But even right. then, the guy they have now, Stubblefield, he's doing fine for DePaul standards. He's probably getting fired in the year anyway. Though. Oh, he's not doing fine now. Yeah. No, it's been awful. True. He doesn't have a top 200 win. Not <laughs> even the worst team in Power Six. What's DePaul that? is. They're horrible. Yeah, they're awful. And they beat us. And we, we lost by 18. Handily. Let's get uh, Plumber Chuck in here next. Plumber Chuck, welcome into Dry Body. What's up? What's going on? Uh, I just, I wish Josh, I don't know, maybe you can clarify this. I heard that the president was behind whatever he wanted to do, and then I heard the board wouldn't let him fire him. Um, I didn't think after Kentucky that if you got him out of here and brought Lieberman or somebody else in here, we would have had a chance at salvaging the season, and right now it's just going down the toilet. Uh, Second thing I got is, Kenny, Kenny can reminds me, and I know Biscuit's going to remember this when I bring this up, but he wasn't a head coach, was Bob Hill when he was with the Pacers. <laughs> Bob was a good coach at the Pacers. He went to the Spurs, and it was semi-okay. And then I'm going to bring up an old one. He went to Fordham, and it was totally down the toilet. So that's kind of what Kenny here reminds me of. So – I'm hoping if he does leave or Josh lets him go or whatever, we do our due diligence and find who we need and not have to pay somebody else like we're paying all these other people right now behind what we owe them. And Blank was all over. I don't know why he's all over Chris Beard for. Um, you know, he's, a, he's an okay coach. But it's kind of like jumping into Chris Mack thing, Chris Mack. And now he's on Chris Beard. I'm sure there's some other candidates that we can interview and that are probably a little better than Chris Beard. So I'll hang up. Y'all have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you later. Appreciate uh, the call, Plumber Chuck. I was informed this weekend when I was on with Louie earlier that Plumber Chuck now has a better phone than me. Man. (laughs) How does that make you feel? Uh, Cheap. Look, it's uh, the Chris Beard thing. Like he's, I think he's a, a very good coach. Uh, we have our issues. We have our reasons why right. I, I don't support him. The arguments him. for Chris Beard are not wrong. They're not wrong at all. They're just not the whole story. There's just a big argument right. against them. Right. And I realize he was cleared, but he was fired with cause for. And there's just there's always the question. And if if something like that happens again, it's just there's other coaches I think that are as good. Yeah. That don't come with that kind of baggage. And if something was to happen, you feel like you have 
blood on your hands in that situation if you fired him into another uh, he's prominent a great job. Coach. He's a phenomenal coach. There's not, not a, the question. There isn't a basketball argument against him. No, we're not making it. We're not making a, but a basketball question. But it's not the question. only thing that matters. Yeah. yeah, it shouldn't be Chris Beard or Buss. Like, that should yeah, not be I the mantra, or any coach for that matter. Like, maybe Scott Drew because he's had a national championship. But even then, you got to do interviews this time around. You can't just give it to the first guy you talk to. So that's what, when, when uh, our, our friend brought up Sprinkle last week, I was like, look, I'm not as familiar with him, but I am open to everybody. Yeah, I you know that's funny just need that to, you're saying that. To get the best guy. I I normally uh, understand the logic. We're we're familiar with coaching searches and how it's like no one ever turns a job down or doesn't get a job. Yeah. You know, they remove their names when that's they right, find out they're not getting yeah. it, and the only person that you ever wanted is the person that you offer it to, and who takes it, and that's all. Right? We know how that works, and you want to avoid all that. Whatever. I'm totally fine with a somewhat drawn out, deliberate search that publicly considers multiple people i'm absolutely i am totally fine with that it does not need to be quiet doesn't need to be like no take your time do it right bounce some ideas off multiple out whatever and settle for bob hill it's <laughs> <laughs> so bob hill man he, he won two straight uh midwest division titles and then david robinson had back spasms and they opened the year like three and eighteen, and they canned him. <laughs> but it led to Greg Popovich, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> Meanwhile, like just to talk about the standards for U of L, Blankenbaker tweeted something the other day, and I was trying. That's what I was trying to find when I was in my phone. Um, in the modern era, I couldn't remember if it was thirty or forty years back. Uh, we've only been twenty point underdogs two times before. 92 is where the data came back from. 92, so 30 years. Yeah. So it was two times before uh, Kenny Payne had taken over, or was it one time? It was something ridiculous. I think it was like there was like two times under Crum. It was, it was, two it was times like double the, digits. I can't remember the exact. at the end of Crum's era. Was it just double digits? I'm trying to remember the exact. I, I did see that tweet, too. This is why I wanted the stat. You know, but it's regardless, we've already like something like been a 20-point underdog like six times under Kenny Payne. In, in, in a year and a half. But I need to find that exact stat. But it was something it was it speaks exactly to the adjustment of the standards. You're like, we've never been that program. Like when we play North Carolina and Duke, we're even when we're like we're not that good of it. Like we're we you know we're a, a bubble team. We're an eight or nine point dog, maybe. Seven or eight point dog. Whatever. It's just it's there's a certain amount of gravitas that came with our jersey and our coaches. Because when you have Patino or Crum as your coach, how often do those guys walk into arena as a double-digit underdog? Patino never. It never happens. I would love uh, to see some sort of, you know, every year there are school, like it, it'll get published, each school's recruiting budget. And how much they spend on, you know, the, like the actual activity of recruiting, not NIL. But yeah. That stuff. Wouldn't you love to see what Louisville's is for this year? Because anywhere I've ever worked, when there's just tons of outlays and there's nothing to show for it, yeah. there's usually a meeting where we're like, what are we doing over here? And this is this is the part that is we're all going to be intensely curious about all the time. We don't always get access to this sort of thing. We rarely get access to this sort of thing. But I would love to know just sort of what the upper management dis- discussions are. Like, hey, are we going to get any signees or what? Yeah. Like, what are you working on? 
Like when I when I I've had jobs where I've been bad at stuff before, and I get put on like plan. You know, like hey, we're gonna have to like remedial stuff here, gonna get you up to speed or whatever. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. And I'll just repeat again. I wish Josh would address Kenny saying this. I wish he would address it by firing him, quite frankly. But like, he put your name on this until you say something otherwise. I can't like. If I'm the athletic director, like you don't get to go out there and say like last year didn't count, right? Because we sure as hell paid you like it did. And when you couple the 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 fact that we don't have any signees in one commitment, TJ, I don't know how long he's going to hold on, um, and, or if it matters, with, or if it matters, couple that with the athletic article that talked about the absence of Louisville on the recruiting trail. It's not by it's not like they're it doesn't seem like they're pounding the pavement and getting no returns. It seems like they're getting back exactly what they put into it. Doesn't it? I mean, we had Brendan Quinn on. He said, yeah. like, people expected them to be all over the place. We don't know where they are. I mean, go how much? Go back and reinterpret DJ Wagner's overseas and Kentucky's yeah. staff goes and, and we send assistance. And we didn't know it then, but the, the lethargy was already there. So... I've got Jeff Lightsey, bless you. He sent me he sent me the uh, Mark Blakenbaker tweet. Okay. Since 1992, as far back as the database goes on historical odds, Louisville basketball has been a 15-point underdog 18 times, 15-point plus. Tonight, the Cards will be a 15-plus point underdog for the 19th time. 16 of those games have come under Kenny Payne. God. 16 for Kenny Payne, zero for Chris Mack, zero for Rick Pitino, and three for Denny Crum. And those were... In the waning days of this. Yeah. Right. As of now, last I checked, the line tomorrow is 15 points for Wake Forest. <laughs> I mean, so number 20. has them losing by 16, I think. Yeah. And we'll catch that by saying they also had them losing the Miami game by 16. That's right. Uh, but, and they covered against uh, North Carolina, which is nice, I guess. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's all you need to know. Like, I, I just... When you take all these numbers, and even with any amount of of context you want to throw on it, it's still not okay. Like we're not; it's not even that we're losing these games that we're not we're not expected to be competitive. Let's get Steve in here next. Steve, welcome to Dry Buddy. What's up? Hey, appreciate you guys letting yep. me in. Uh, it, it's Godfather Three, you know, with, with your all show. It's I'm just going to listen, or I'm going to do something different, and then I, I hear something that oh, I got to come back in. I got to get back in here. Uh, so, you know, the Kenny stuff is it is what it is, man. And I I don't want to uh, produce from the other end of the floor or the other end of the phone, but uh, do you guys see the Bill Pullian where he analyzed Lamar? Yeah. You've seen that. Yeah. So somebody said Bill Pullian's name three times, and the old ghoul came out of his sarcophagus, I guess, <laughs> to come out and start talking about Lamar. Uh, yeah, it's just so strange. I don't, I don't understand what, what that guy's beef with Lamar is. But, I mean, everybody's entitled to an opinion. It's sports. But, I mean, that old dude is just – he's going to be the last one. Hopefully Lamar's got a ring at the end of this, and he's holding up the Lombardi, and Bill Pullian will be shaking his fist someplace. At a TV, so you know, appreciate you guys. Thanks for thanks. Yep, and a good weekend, man. Thank you, appreciate it, uh, Steve. Yes, uh, for those of you who are wondering, Bill Polian asked what uh, the Texans ought to do uh, ahead of their playoff matchup with the Ravens, which is apparently going to be in some pretty gross weather too. Yeah, uh, it looks like. But he basically uh, 
gave the exact same advice he would have given prior to Lamar ever being drafted. <laughs> right? You want to hear it? Let's play it real quick. To do it, you have to be very disciplined in your rush. You have to tell the rushers that they're not there to sack him. They're there to keep him in the pocket and make him throw the ball and not escape and not extend and not do any of the things that opens up all of these receivers. Um, and, and that's hard to do. It's, it's, it's hard for coaches to teach that. It requires a technique change. It's hard for players to get their heads around it, but it's absolutely necessary. And uh, if you're playing with a spy, uh, you better put your best athlete on him as a spy because he's a better athlete than anybody you got. Lamar Jackson has the eighth highest rated pass, uh, passer yeah. rating from the pocket this year. Bill Polian has not watched them. This he year. hasn't. Now, that he's very is, good in the pocket. That is some sound advice about like rushing under control and yeah. extending plays. Uh, but that's true of just about any quarterback. Yes, especially every anybody who can hurt you with their legs. Right. Which, so that would be so his, Mahomes. That would be Josh Allen. Yeah. Like his first sentence or two wasn't the worst until he said, "Make him throw the ball." And you're like, eh, "I don't know if you want that." Like he's, he's had into, multiple perfect passer rating games. And he actually, the thing is, he's been good from the pocket almost his entire career. That's a that's a narrative that needs to die. <laughs> it is. Uh, but he's just been particularly good this year. There's the thing about Lamar is it's really hard to neutralize him. It just is. Now that they have an offense that that actually takes advantage of all of his skill set, uh, it's. I don't necessarily hate the idea of stay, like you. You have to stay in your rush lanes. You have to, but there's no he can still kill you from the pocket. Yeah, there's no remotely a mobile quarterback for whom that is not true. Exactly. You want to do something gas back? Let's do that on the other side here. So get in here. 8150 We'll do that on the other side. On the drive when I send the book. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. <laughs> 